Okay, uh, first I would like you guys to pray with me. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to meet up here in uh, a new spot and, and to get into your word and then hopefully get to eat some good food and, and have a good time uh, the rest of the night. But Lord, I just pray that you would um, speak your word through your words that we're going to read as well as um, what I and all these guys have to, to say about them, Lord, and just help us to grow closer as brothers in Christ and to grow uh, in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about faith in the face of pain. Um, first of all, I'd like to go around the room and uh, just have everyone give me a definition of what you think faith is. Faith is a work within your own life that isn't of your own. Like, it's it's being, like, have you ever heard you are, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? Well, it's essentially... <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's essentially what faith is, like, except with the context of being, like, a lamb, right? Like, you don't know where you're going and when you go off the path, you get hurt, like, your legs get broken. Um, so that way you don't stray from the shepherd. Um, yeah, so I think that's what faith is. You know, it's like you're following God, what God wants for for your life or life in general. It's like that. To the best of your ability. But. Yeah. I'm going to try and say that it's God will raise and receive faith. And then, so what Roman Catholics typically do is try to tell you is, well, yeah, you can receive the grace through faith, because it's something we do. We do faith. We perform faith, right? Showing faith to God. Um, I mean, Luther talks about the work of the Holy Spirit by saying, you cannot by your own wisdom or strength make Jesus Christ to come to him. So, that being the foundation of Lutheran theology, the Spirit, the Spirit is the one that gives it. He, he reached out to me by some miracle of God when I was a child. Uh, especially, like, me in particular, I wasn't really around church. I went to the Methodist church for a very long time. I got baptized when I was six or seven. So I wasn't, I had no idea what any of that was. But slowly and surely, because my parents kind of brought me to church, and I found that I received it. And he worked faith in it. I had no idea what it was. The more I was nurtured by the word, faith developed because the Holy Spirit was there to, to give it to me. So it's it's an act of God and his will to, to make it his. Awesome. Yeah. Sam? Well, I can't exactly describe faith, but best thing I've heard that describes it is a quote from Martin Luther King is faith is where you're taking a step where you can't see the whole staircase. Hmm. So pretty much that like uh, I mean it is pretty much where you're like constantly you can't see everything that's going to happen or what but you know that uh, what you're following is going to be good. Some of that. If I can word that correctly. But, sure. Yeah. Um, I would like one of you guys to volunteer to be my reader for the first chapter yep. and then I have someone else so um, start with just the first verse alright 
Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Um, so the Greek word for faith that they're using here, uh, and you'd be a better expert on this than me, but uh, is pistis, which um, is the personification of good faith, trust, and reliability. So my ESV study Bible um, defined this verse and faith uh, by saying that by defining faith as assurance and conviction, the author indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God, will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. Um, so, in other words, faith is not blind hope, but actually assured belief, which yeah. um, I think is really profound. Um, if you could read the next two verses, two and three. This is what the ancients were com commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Peter, welcome. <laughs> We've also, yeah, you just kissed the ring. You can't do that. Yeah, I um, So you didn't miss too much. We're talking about faith in the face of pain. Um, word. So uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. So, uh, just recapping verse 3 real quick while Peter flips to it um, for what Sam just read. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Um, so basically, what is seen came to be by what is unseen, because God's words spoke the earth into existence. So God's words are powerful. And God's word, referring to the Bible, is said in 2 Timothy 3.16 to literally be God-breathed. So we have to treat God's written word as having the same power as God's spoken word. If God's spoken word has the power to create the heavens, the earth, and the entire universe that was once formless and void, then God's word, meaning the Bible, has the power to create faith in us where there was unbelief. It has the power to restore relationships that were once broken to heal wounds that were once raw, to provide for the poor, give strength to the weak, give rest to the weary, give freedom to the captive. His word has power over our situation and power over our pain. Um, you can go ahead through verse six. Yeah. By faith, Abel, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Yeah, so that one right there. We can only please God through our faith in Him. We can't draw near to Him without believing fully that not only He exists, but kind of trusting in who He is. Um, and you can go ahead and finish the rest of the chapter now. Oh, the, the whole thing? Yeah. 
Okay, sure. Um, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with the faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him at, of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him of offered Isaac a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned with God, reasoned that God um, could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of the staff, his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents, parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he, had no, he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughters. A daughter. Um, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he loved Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is who is invisible by faith he kept the passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of israel by faith the people passed through the red sea as on dry land but when egyptians tried to do so they were drowned by faith the walls of jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days by faith the prostitute rahab and because she welcomed the spies it was not killed with those they were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and uh, Jephthah, uh, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. 
who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who, be, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign um, armies. Women received back their dead, r raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were saved in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The word, the, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. There, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us they be made perfect. Whew. Good job. <laughs> that was... Huh? Yeah, it was. You got dibs on 12? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was a hefty section right there. <laughs> yeah, that was um, so that's verses 7 through 40 is commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith. Um, and it's <laughs> very rightly it. named yeah. the Hall of Faith. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the most impressive groups of names that you're you know, ever going to see read out of all the... In New Testament, it's pretty frequent to see lists, especially Paul. Paul loved to write lists. We don't know exactly who the author of Hebrews was, or some attributed it to him. Some say it was a guy who was traveling with them. We're not really sure. But um, a lot of New Testament books, you're going to see like long lists. This one, got to be the longest. Um, what I find really interesting, too, in verse 40, right, when it talks about not all of them uh, received what was promised, right after everything that we've talked about in chapter 11 with faith and and trusting in um, the assurance of things hoped for like we talked about before right and it's like well, what do you mean they didn't get what was promised and then of course he clarifies that what he means is we're not going to get everything that we want this side of eternity but the promise is fulfilled in eternity right in heaven so um, a lot of these guys had things that they were it was either promised of their people or promised of their lineage or something was promised that they didn't really get to see more than a glimpse of during their lives. But they lived their whole lives in assurance of that promise that they received because that was their faith, right? Um, what, do you guys, what do you guys think about, what do you make of this chapter? I think, I think it's a, um, it's like a good reminder of a good reminder that how do I say this I think Abraham is like the biggest uh, person that like depicts like the faith you know like Abraham like I think God called Abraham and because Abraham was faithful like I know God was already going to be faithful to us but I think to a certain extent I think God was even like more faithful because of like Abraham's faith in God you know like it's kind of like a it's like a typology no not a typology it's like a theme I, I really like Abraham as like a representative of God's faith towards like the people after Abraham because no matter how much Israel tried to rebel God always dragged them back in and was faithful to them 
And even though there weren't very many faithful people, like Abraham, the father of Israel, was very faithful unto God. And I think this kind of shows faith is like God calls you to live by faith, not you you being called to live by faith. You know how you were talking about God calling you to the faith. I think this shows like the weaving of like God calling different people to live by faith, you know, mm-hmm. coming from different places, but... Sure. I think, I think that's about that. Anyone else? I mean, this pretty much sums up the entire reason that I wear this shirt. Like, Heavenly Pursuit sounds kind of ridiculous, and it's made by Forever Twenty One. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot going on there, but I. I wear, I, there's like a series of like sweatshirts and shirts that say Heavenly Pursuits on them and I really like them because to me at least it reminds of me that we're not looking, like we're not following Jesus and following the Bible for something that we're going to attain on this earth. Hmm. We're going for something that's past that, something something heavenly. We're not pursuing something that we can physically grasp. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's I agree. Um, well, one thing I noticed from that is, well, so we can all agree that with the Bible, the main focus is um, humanity's fallen to sin, then God's redemptive um, acts of bring us out through salvation. Well, mm-hmm. this is kind of the subplot of it, is showing how people kept their faith. Um, through faith that's um well would you say that it's faith that kept people coming back to god yes and um, it's but god having faith in not faith in us but faith for us yeah well also that it's through faithful people that um well the world was set right in the place where until um, when uh christ came in i mean i know that it wasn't all faithful people who did that but um i mean heck israel um um got conquered um, and stuff too because they lost faith but my point is that um, these people had enough faith in God even though like there's all the impossible happening and stuff because what what he's saying is that um, God told Noah that the world's going to flood and said it's going to rain rain never happened at that time Um, but Noah did that anyways Um, or uh, Moses uh, that it seemed impossible to escape from Pharaoh's orders to kill um, all the baby boys at that time, but they found a way as well. Like um, faith um, is a very powerful thing. Um, it, it, I mean, as we can see throughout through this chapter and throughout the whole Bible, or even throughout all of history as well, that um, faith is a driving force, and um, it's kind of built the world as it is. But also, it. We can learn a lot from this as well, like how it reflects our own faith as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hope sure. I worded that correctly. <laughs> um, I think the account of how Ben said about Abraham. I mean, Abraham is declared righteous by faith. Like he said, he gets in. I want to say Genesis twelve. I don't know what happens right then. It might be when he actually becomes Abraham instead of Abraham. Um, but I mean, what? Why Abraham? We don't know. Like I mean, 
the guy is worshiping pagan gods. He's had, he has these ephahs, like what they're called in the Old Testament, like these little idols that they have to do with family. Gods you have in your tents that you just, why, why Abraham? Because God said so. Like, and it goes back to his word, right? We're talking about his word at the very beginning. God said so. Why does he have faith? God says so. Like, he declares him to be faithful. Um, and he's righteous because God says so. And there's a, a fancy theological term called forensic justification. It just means that God declared him righteous. It's like a courtroom setting and the judge just goes, you're free. You're, you're entirely sinless. That's, that's exactly what God does throughout the whole of scripture. Yeah. That's his whole chapter. I think, that out. I think a better representation of that would be like you being sat down and you being let a list of every single sin that you committed in your entire life and the ramifications of the effect on all the other people in your life yeah, and then God goes you're free and I'm guilty yeah. and then it's like the washing overwhelming or down like I think that's like the closest way like the feeling that you would feel there is the closest thing that you could feel to like actually describing how the Holy Spirit feels when it washes over you. Yeah. Now, mouths of lions, the edge of the sword, weakness, um, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. You think that the guys listed in this group suffered some pain in their lives? Yeah, is it fair to say? No. <laughs> um, it was a fun ride. So like we did with, with faith, what would you guys define pain as? I want to hear each of your thoughts on it. Priming the good old lick. You know, it, it's good. It can be bad, but it's also good. But what do you think it is? Not, not so much what it results to, but I know, think the word itself. I think if you imagine a block of stone, right? Pain is the chisel that you use to form the stone. Okay. Ah, that's good. <laughs> right? That's the yeah, that's, that's, um, I mean, anything that can hurt or maybe on a physical, psychological, social, spiritual level. Anything yeah. on that level. But... I mean, as a Christian, you can see through that as a lens. Like, yes, Satan and his demons are afflicting, but God's got this. It's in his hands. And no matter what happens in my life, it, it's not... It's momentary. It's what, you probably know. Uh, Paul talks about faith produces endurance and endurance hope. Yeah. Which chapter is that? I can't... Um, I was just I just ran into that earlier today too when I was doing this um, we know that our, our suffering produces endurance and I feel like I feel like I feel like that was one of the letters to Timothy but or maybe it was Romans it might be Romans it's tough because sometimes only literature like it's great but you read it so much I I read it so much that they all blend together for sure. Yeah, it's Romans. I know in James. Uh, Romans five, three through five, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Lit. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a good one. I think character is a big part of like, like living through the like faith without works is dead, right? And suffering is like the character that kind of it's the it's the development of the character that helps you live by the faith. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, you you aren't the measure of a person is the measure of the things that they've like dealt with and gone through I think and the way that they've been impacted by the Bible and like alright so I got suspended right in like 8th grade and I'm not going to tell you what I did is it what you told me yeah okay. um, possibly it might cool. have been one of those things I got suspended I uh I might have been a Christian, or I might have been going to church, but I probably wasn't a Christian just yet. But basically, I chose my confirmation verse, right? And it was off of, like, The the Walking Dead, uh, like, an episode where somebody, like, quoted James, Rose Faith Without Works is Dead. And I picked that, and after I got suspended, my mom's like, do you want to even get confirmed? Um blah 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 why would you like faith without works is dead like she basically threw my confirmation verse right back at me right and it was like oh my gosh and I can kind of see how like at a point it was like faith without works is dead but now it's like faith with works is alive so it's kind of like a like like I was talking about like your confirmation verse being like a second name like Abraham I see it as like a like a second name for me in a way and I think pain is a long goes along with faith very well because it's intermingled like you don't develop your faith without pain and like shame and being downtrodden and outcast like Lame is Rob is really good at like depicting this message too I don't know if you've ever seen that show but basically there's this guy that like goes to jail 19 years right and he gets out of jail right he's on parole and everyone's like turning their back on him except like a bishop right and in the middle of the night the guy like steals like some of the bishops like silver and he leaves like in the middle of the night and then like two like guards like catch him and they bring him to the bishop and the bishop's like he's like no i i gave him these like these pieces of uh silver um but you forgot like the gold plating or whatever like the gold candle holders and then like they leave and then the guy's like yeah i saved your soul again for god now go and do the same thing and that's what like how pain like shapes you because pain like prepares you for the work of god's grace like that peter wow tough to follow that up huh yeah (laughs) what does pain mean to you
and the verse is slipping my mind now, but I know it's in there somewhere, so you're just going to have to trust me on this one. But it's something we have to go through. And God doesn't promise us an easy life that's free from suffering, especially with following Him. We're always going to have struggles because of that. And so I guess it's a constant in life to a certain extent. It's something to be expected. Mm-hmm. Like, no. there, there was some sort of study or something that was done recently about some people in Africa who, when given the chance to have medical treatment, they, uh, they had the medical treatment, but they didn't take, they refused to have anything that would like mitigate the pain, hmm. even though that's something that's like available to them, because they see pain as like constant. Hmm. Like it's just, it's something you have to go through. And that's crazy. I guess I, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm not entirely sure why, but. Well, so next time I get surgery, Telling me, I'm, I should tell him not to put me under. Just no, we'll, we'll, we'll go through. Um, you, you're working with the blackout. I want to see what they're doing what do you think, over Sam? here. Pain. Um, well, I've always seen pain as like uh, some sort of learning tool. I mean, it does build character, but like uh, if somebody goes through like a certain type of pain, they'll like find a way to avoid the pain next time or something like that. Like. Something to be learned from? Huh? Something to be learned from? That, that's how I always view it, yeah. Also, tells you that you're alive as well. Um, but, it, um, let's see, uh, but, I mean, going through pain, though, can, like, give you some endurance to go through. I mean, some people just give up or something, but some people will, like, continue well of living even if they're going through pain and stuff. Yeah. Reminds me of this movie I saw last year. It's called World Trade Center. Any of you ever seen that? I have actually. Okay. Yeah, really good movie about um, these police officers who were, true story, underneath the World Trade Center when um, the towers collapsed during 9-11. Anyways, they're, be- they're underneath like 30 feet of rubble. Um, they don't know if they're getting out or what. Anyways, uh, I remember one scene there, uh, one of the officers is telling the other, trying to give him some hope or something, that like, um, we, we can get, at, get out of this, and he says that, I've heard this quote before that pain is your friend, it lets you know that you're alive, and anyways, anyways it's like giving, um, giving some, pain can give you hope um, sometimes, but it's also diminishing as well. I mean, yeah. it reminds me of that scene from that movie, but we can also see this in real life as well. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Andy Mineo before. Um, I always, pretty much every time I like to go to my favorite rappers because there's always great quotes, but um, he's, a, he's a Christian rapper, and he has a song called Lost. And the song has definitely impacted me in a lot of ways. So when I think about pain, I think about, he's got a line in that song that says, um, I bet you if I never had pain, I bet you that I never would pray. 
Um, and that one always got me because it made me think like, wow, right? But the song concept came from, he was at LaGuardia, which is an airport in New York City. He's from New York. They're about to fly. And uh, it was a thunderstorm. And when they did take off, um, they had some pretty severe turbulence and the pilot at one point actually was scared that he was gonna lose control of the plane. Um, and then they made it up to a certain height and they got through the storm. The storm was below them in the clouds. And when they made it through the clouds, he said uh, it looked like California was sunny and beautiful and you couldn't even tell that there was a storm below anymore. And he was like, like that's the metaphor for when we're in the middle of a storm in the middle of a panic, we might just be a few feet away from breaking through the storm and seeing something so beautiful and getting all the, the purpose out of it that we can, right? But in the midst of the pain, you can't see anything but the pain. And that's where trust comes in. That's where faith comes in. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, um, moving on to chapter 12, we're going to think a little bit more about the pain side of this, and that's where um, faith in the face of pain comes in. So we're going to go back to Greek. The word is odune, um, and it means intense emotional pain, personal anguish, consuming grief, which is emotionally lethal if experienced apart from God's grace, which comforts. That's from uh, the Bible Hub website. Um, that's pretty, pretty extreme uh, description right there, right? Anyone ever experienced some intense emotional pain? No? <laughs> Never? Yeah, I, I think so, right? So many times. Right, relatable. So. Anyways. I know. So, we're going to turn to chapter 12. If you'd like to read verse 1 for me, sir. Yes. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and lets us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Right. So there's four times in the New Testament, at least in my ESV version, uh, where life is described like a race. Paul does the other three. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Timothy 4, and Galatians 5. Um, probably familiar with a few of the verses uh, he often likes to talk about athletes he brings up athletes a couple of times um, and when I think about that um, and then I'm thinking about the weight that he's talking about it's interesting right because if you've ever tried to run before you know that it's hard enough as it is right Our lungs don't really like it when we go out and run especially in a cold Michigan winter but um, if you have weight on you, it makes running harder, right? Heavier people are going to be slower. Uh, if you run with a backpack on, you're not going to run as well. If you run and you're trying to carry luggage, you're not going to run as well, right? Like running is easier with the less weight that you have. So if life is like a race, then any weights and burn it, burdens that we carry are going to inhibit the abilities that we have, that, that God has given us. You know, our spiritual gifts, our callings, things like that are going to be more difficult if we're carrying around weight all the time. Um, so constantly working out uh, our faith by staying disciplined. That is praying, reading scripture, remaining faithful with our money, time, energy, and our work efforts. That work ethic improves our spirit the same way working out improves the body. And so our spiritual endurance will improve the same way our physical endurance would. This allows us to run the race better 
and do more for the kingdom of God as he calls us. So it's interesting that he says to lay aside every weight and sin, our sins and our pains and burdens. If we don't lay those at the feet of Christ and learn to let go of them, will weigh us down and keep us from everything God has for us. The enemy wants to constantly lay burdens down on us till it feels like we can't carry on any longer because we think our struggles are too heavy. Uh, reverse two. Okay. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It always helps me when I'm feeling burdened, heavy, or, or I'm feeling um, pain, or the weight of my own sin, or anything like that, to remember how much Christ endured when it comes to physical pain and when it comes to uh, the fact that we know he endured every single temptation that we endure, even though he didn't give in. Um, every, you know, weight and pain that you might go through in a metaphorical or a literal way, Christ also went through it. And that definitely um, encourages and comforts me because he endured as much pain as, as really possible during his death. Um, you can read the next two verses to four. All right. Do not grow weary. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting one, right? It is. You say that you, that you struggle against your sin. You say that you fight to do what's right but none of us have gone to the point that Christ went to right like none of us so we try to fight against you know lust and sin patterns in our lives like selfishness and greed and overindulgence and sometimes we throw our hands up and say it's too hard and we can't win and that's how it feels right mm -hmm. but the author says here you haven't done all you could do you haven't gone to the point of shedding all your blood the way that Jesus did Jesus paid the ultimate price, not only so you don't have to, but also because we all know we wouldn't. We might say we would, but we wouldn't. Could. Right? Well, we, we won't. Like, that's just what it is. Christ's ultimate sacrifice is the embodiment of selflessness that we could never be. Um, next two verses. Okay. Um, and have you forgotten the eggs? exhortation uh, that addresses you as sons my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the lord nor be weary when reproved by him for the lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you have to endure god is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline yeah, so I think it's hard to see it like this sometimes, at least for me it is, because some things seem to be like a pretty clear, okay, I was in the wrong and God needed to bring me back so he disciplined me. And sometimes it just seems like things happen to you. But when God allows us to go through struggles to discipline and correct and change and mature and grow and improve us, he does so out of love. Uh, we shouldn't get worked up about it or let us grow angry with him over it. We should endure it and appreciate it as it changes us for the better. Uh, God is our father. So, you know, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? We didn't always understand when our earthly parents 
um, would not allow us to have things we wanted or to do some things that we wanted to do. Uh, sometimes they may not even have told us directly why they wouldn't give us what we wanted, right? Sometimes, I, at least my parents would say things like, because I said so, <laughs> right? Yeah. But whether they were right or wrong, they did it because that's what parents do. If you love your kid, you'll try to correct them and let them grow up the way you think they should. The only difference here is unlike our earthly parents, our heavenly father is perfect and knows everything. So if he does something or allows something or doesn't stop or intervene in something, he does it for a reason, even if we don't know the reason. So we have to have faith that it will be for our benefit in the long run, even if we don't understand. We have to trust that he's doing what he's doing out of love. Verse 8. Just verse 8? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. (laughs) He wouldn't be our father if he didn't discipline us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like that's exactly what yeah. yeah. Exactly. Harsh. It's harsh, but it's true. I mean, right. I think everyone's received discipline in some way, shape, or form. And looking back, I think we're all a little bit thankful for the discipline that we've received. Yeah. Right. Uh, verse nine. Um, besides this, we have uh, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not? Um, Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of, of spirits and life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. If you, if you have any respect for your earthly father whatsoever, right, at all, yeah. and you've had all the discipline that they've given you over the years and all the correction, and there's probably been times where you didn't see eye to eye, right, but you still respect them, then how dare you not respect your heavenly Father when he corrects you? <laughs> I mean, you just can't. Right? <laughs> Read verse 10, please. I mean, although you can hate them when it happens, but. Okay. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. So, I mean, just to reiterate what I was just saying from uh, verse 7 our earthly parents discipline us based on what seems right to them. And they do it right sometimes and for certain parents maybe they do it right a lot of the time but they are still humans that don't do it right all the time but God disciplines us because he knows what's good for us like he perfectly knows exactly what we need so his discipline is perfect read verse 11 for the moment all disciple all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Yeah. I uh, I wrote in here, note to self, read that again and again and again. Right. So read that again. And again. And again. <laughs> and again. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Uh, Our present pain is a future fruit of the spirit that's going to grow in us. We were talking about reaping and sowing earlier. God's reaping something that he can sow out of us. Our present pain is our future blessing. Read it one more time. (laughs) For the moment, 
All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you're saying, if you don't have any pain right now, there's a problem. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. So you're doing something right if you're feeling a little bit of pain, right? A little Correct. pressure. That's that's that, right? Correct. All right. Um, Bearing some fruit. Next two verses. <laughs> All right. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Okay, I love this picture right here. So the way I see it as, as the body of Christ, we're supposed to move in a certain kind of way as believers, right? When we do mess up, when we do get off track, picture it like dislocating your knees, right? Yeah. God might reset your joint when it's out of place. And all that you, if you don't know that you're out of place, all you're going to see is God hurting you. And you're going to think, wow, that hurt, right? Yeah. My trainer hurts me all the time as an athlete. I'm, I'm always doing something I shouldn't be doing. And then she does some stuff and I'm like, ow. But she's not hurting me. She's fixing me, right? But it feels like pain at the moment. I'm like, man, you like to hurt me. But actually, what she's trying to do is make things better for me in the long run. It's the same way here. <laughs> Uh, it's the same way here though right yeah. like what's what's out of joint I mean that's I don't know if you've ever had something go out of joint before I have it hurts a lot <laughs> but as much as it might hurt to reset it it hurts a whole lot worse if they don't you can do some permanent damage read verse 14 please Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the see the Lord. Yeah, it's a pretty common theme in the, the New Testament that you read about striving for peace. I think that's just furthering the talk about the fruit of the Spirit that gets developed through this kind of pain. What happens when you get peace? When you get it? Yeah, like when you have, when you're at peace and there is a lacking of pain. You know, like not as much as what you would hope for. I mean, yeah. The one a pastor I like to watch. He's a LCMS pastor down in Austin, Texas. He has like a YouTube channel that he uses somewhat frequently. So like when COVID first started, he made some videos that ended up being kind of controversial. Uh, I think it was like the first or second video he said, thank God for COVID. And people got pissed off. Legitimately pissed. Yeah. People were yelling at him saying, how dare you say something so insensitive. Yeah. Insensitive, right. And his whole point is you rejoice in yourself. So I can, I'm not saying making There's different type. seasons. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Season of life. Um, I don't want to act as if you're going to reach some sort of tier because... Yeah, that's that's not how it is. Something that you would call pietism, and it's, it's false. You're never going to reach a certain tier of your faith where you're going to always be consistently in that season. No, I know. Because you're always going to cycle back. So, yeah. um, if you're in a point in time where you can lift up a, I mean, 
not a fan of Bruce Bruce on it, anybody knows me, know that. But don't I see him at T&W and W very often. In the presence of my enemies, that's Never. literally, yeah. literally your your goal as a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Every single time you're in suffering, raise a, a praise to God. This is my. This is my praise suffering. to you. Yeah. This is my suffering, Lord. It's before you. Your your hands are guiding whatever's happening. Yeah. I mean, Job is a perfect example. Um, God literally said, go tempt him. And that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we don't like the idea that God commanded Satan to go and do something to Job. We don't like the idea that God might have done that to us. Yeah. Why does he do that? He because him. it's in his will. I mean, he's not the one that's hurting. He might have said, you can go and tempt him. But he knows at the other end of it, that Satan's not going to win. He's already lost anyways. Yeah. Yeah. He's a maimed, lousy beast that's roaming the earth because he's lost and he's gnashing his teeth because he can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's factual. No, I just, sometimes, like, I don't like being completely content. Like, I'm at a pretty good, like, yeah, I have my pressure points or whatever, like, of pain, but, like, for the last, like, little while I've been at a pretty good place and I always try and look for pain because I like to lean into it a bit and I think like some real spiritual growth happens when you're struggling with an issue and I love being pushed to think in new ways even if it does hurt a little bit it's an opportunity for growth yeah and like it's like a bittersweet thing because there's a moment like right after some pain where I'm just like, oh, thank God I'm out of that, but I learned so much. And then I'm out of it for too long and it's like, well, I need my pain, right? Like, I, I, I kind of want to feel this. Like, I want to I wanna think new thoughts, right? I want to be pushed to, to go where I haven't gone before. I want to see things and scratch and claw to find a solution. And then I find that solution and then it's the same thing again. And then I'm pushed back into yeah. another thing. Yeah. But yeah. like it's like an intermission. Like I'm in a waiting room at the moment, and I'm yeah. waiting for like my next dose of pain. Anyways. Um. So, go ahead. Read. Read through to verse twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. So from fourteen. Yeah. Strive for. Wait. Didn't we already read that? Yeah. One? Skip. Yeah. Starting uh, at fifty. See to it that no one. Okay. I'm gonna read. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." A kingdom that cannot be shaken. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet, trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message, messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the, the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to, to the city of the living God, 
the heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in uh, festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to the God, and to God, the Judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Twenty-four. Yeah. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So we'll get right back into those last couple verses of this chapter in a second. But I just wanted to pause there because um, I think for most people, verses 18 through 24 could probably get a little confusing. Um, but hey, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. So verse 17. So I'm reading out of the NLT. Sure. You know that afterward when he wanted Wait, wait, wait. No, 16. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. So, what if I bet my birthright on a game of foosball? Oh, it's too late for you. I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you know, going to end up like Esau. But what's so. the significance of Esau betting? It's the foolishness of a decision, right? It's ma- it's the idea of making a rash decision, essentially. Well, and it's the greed that he was after and the reason why it's coupled with... Huh? No, no. No, no, that was a good point. Well, the reason why it's coupled with sexual immorality in that same verse is because in the same vein, Esau was selling something that was God given for something of the flesh and God given so it's the same way in sexual immorality right. whereas our purity is something that's God given and we sell it for yeah for a momentary pleasure right um so so do I ask for Yes. <laughs> well, what, well, here's the thing, though, too. They had a cultural... There was a cultural connotation on what that birthright was. So whatever it is that you've lost is probably not the same thing. I was going to say, I don't think... Well, I don't think you lost your inheritance. Oh, that's true. He's, he's losing a promise to the See, you didn't lose that. So you so. lost that. That's your birthright. It's You're going to have to explain that, that concept. You saw... Yeah, so... What he's the son of Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Who ends up getting the promise of the covenant? Right. Like, it goes Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac Jacob. Jacob. His brother now is the one who's going to have the descendants that will bring about the promise. Right. And now he's lost that promise. And he gets wiped off the face of the earth. Like they go to war against Israel on multiple occasions. I think it's actually Egypt destroys him, I think. Egypt and Israel actually, I think, joined forces with the Egyptians. I think that's yeah. But Edom is constantly fighting with them. That's, he lost that birthright. Yeah. The right to be the heir of So, um, going into that following stretch then. <laughs> so, going into that, that following stretch from verses 18 through 24. Essentially what that stretch of scripture means is that we're not serving a kingdom of the physical realm. Um, Our kingdom is one that cannot be touched. And so no human demon or devil has the ability to destroy or attack or or do anything to any of it. 
our kingdom is of the spiritual realm and is permanent and we are officially residents of it so what can anyone do to us even if they kill us we don't truly die which is i find that pretty hopeful um go ahead and finish the chapter because we're really running out of time (laughs) see that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they do not for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised uh, yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of thi- of things that are shaken uh, that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Yes. Um, Fire. Okay, I'm going to offer this final thought, and then I'll give you guys a chance to give a couple of final thoughts here. Um, everyone will suffer wounds in life. Whether self-inflicted or wrongfully done to us, our wounds will become burdens and regrets that we carry around. Everything we carry around with us has a certain amount of weight. That weight is what we call baggage. We all have baggage. I don't know what baggage all you guys carry around with you, but think of it like a suitcase in an airport. I fly a lot, so this, this helps me. Um, when you go to fly somewhere, in an airport, when you head to check-in, they make you get a tag for your bags. And this tag ensures that the correct owner of that luggage gets their luggage back when they get to their destination. Every tag has a name on it. And I just want you guys to know that while you may think the name on that tag is yours, it's actually Jesus Christ. He wants to take those burdens off your hands. We're all familiar with Matthew 11, 28. Come to me all who are weary with heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Every piece of luggage that you carry has a handle and every backpack has straps. You may feel like you're glued to your baggage. I've certainly felt like that at times, especially in my past. But you're not. Healing is possible. It may take time. But you can leave your baggage behind you, even if the scars of those prior injuries remain. So, what do we think of chapter 12? Alright. <laughs> um, and I thought on pain, right? And faith. Um, I think a person's pain can help them become more compassionate to other people, mm-hmm. too. But that's a bit off topic. Just a thought. Well, I, I like your idea how you said that you seek out. I think truth in that in a sense, right? So we, we can easily get caught up in our problems when we're not experiencing any, yeah. anything for Like, those times... I feel like that I don't pray the most, and it's typical for most people. Is that it's when you're experiencing something traumatic, you need help. We don't do that at the, within the realm of well, you know, reason. We culturally, don't do that as much, culturally you know? speaking, we we're yeah. taught that like pain's a bad thing, so we right. shy away from anything that makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the only way to ever really feel comfortable is to experience the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And then you like, 
you're given you're allotted more space to feel more comfortable you realize everything else is not as bad because you got through that yeah yeah so, yeah. yeah to me at least that goes back to like the whole 